from the Indian Road Cafe in Inwood, New York City, welcome to Inwood Artworks On Air, where we meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes that make their home in what we call affectionately upstate Manhattan. I'm your host, Aaron Sims, and today we're turning our artist spotlight on filmmaker, writer, producer, and actor Desiree Abeda. Desiree wrote, directed, and produced An Invitation to Tea, which is a recipient of the inaugural Inwood Artworks Filmmaker Fund Award. Her work reflects her love of magical realism, and she's one of very few filmmakers setting out to explore that rich literary tradition from a feminine Hispanic perspective. We're going to talk to her about that and so much more. But first, let me welcome you, Desiree, to Inwood Artworks On Air. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. It's wonderful to have you here today with me. Um, as we look on a quiet and somewhat soggy <laughs> Inwood yeah. Hill Park right now, we're also looking out on an un unprecedented moment in history uh, in our country, and particularly in New York right now where we are um, in the world. We're, we're recording this during the uh, novel coronavirus pandemic. Uh, here and across the country, many businesses are closed, and uh, millions of people have been really directed to minimize their interaction with one another, which we are in fact doing today for the record. We're, <laughs> we're socially distant, but yet being social. And I being... came in in a mask. <laughs> <laughs> we, we unwrapped her. Um, so, uh, so first things first, Desiree, how are you and yours doing right now? Uh, we're doing okay. I think that there's still a lot of uncertainty as to how this is going to play out in the long run. I think it's really easy to kind of I don't want to say easy, but a little bit more tangible to go, okay, two weeks inside, I can do that. I mean, how many of us have begged in our minds to kind of be like, oh, if only I had two weeks to just work on my art or not have to work. And now we have it. And I think it's just in this, under these circumstances that makes it not quite as enjoyable. But I, but I digress. I just think that, you know, anyone can do it for two weeks. It's the idea of what this is going to look like long term for us as a society, for us as artists, for us as a country, a world. I think there's a lot of unknowns. It's a time game right now. Yeah. And that's what makes it scary. And not for sure. Fun, um, despite having time to create. Um, well, you have an affection for, I want to say, magical realism in your work. And <laughs> here we are. It's very surreal, right? I and, know. Uh, so what does the world look like from your point of view right now as, like a, as a filmmaker and a writer, switching hats on as a creative person? I think... My instinct naturally as a person as well as a creative is to always find the hope. So rather than worrying or thinking or allowing the anxiety of what this world is going to look like when this is all said and done in a negative way, I'm already looking for the way that this will affect us positively and the changes that we can make as a society positively. Just, you know, the extreme circumstances and everyone having to really take an account as to how they're living their lives and how it's affecting the planet and how it's affecting each other and these things we kind of take for granted. I'm already kind of dreaming about what this world is going to look like afterwards. I kind of don't want it to go back to what it was before. I really want this to be this huge global motivation of change, especially as a country, uh, without getting political, but just this idea of what we can take from this and how we can propel it forward positively. Sure. And so I feel that way with how I view the world and how I view my art. I think that in my stories specifically, I like to really explore and discover the harsh realities of the world. I don't like to sugarcoat them. I don't necessarily like to paint them positively, but I do always search for that nugget of hope and the thing that you can take from it and propel yourself forward into a, a more positive direction if there's something. Right, right. So hope being part of your creative process and having 
certain amount of time to do things. <laughs> and I also mentioned your you know, desire to explore things from that Hispanic uh, feminine perspective. How are you able to put that into motion into project? I think the Hispanic thing, not quite as much because my, I mean, my grandparents are from Spain and I am Spanish and I have a lot of cultural heritage that is tied to that, that makes me relate very much to a lot of cultural things. I like to put that into my work in the sense of acknowledging my heritage. It's more from a feminine perspective for me. I think there's this movement right now, and I think it's a beautiful thing because it's well overdue about diversity, and that includes gender and, and cultural. But I also think that right now there's this huge push towards making sure that it checks off all the boxes. And I understand why that is. But I think that it's just important to be good storytellers too, you know? And so I really try to put my own perspective as to what it is to be a woman in these times or what it is to have female struggles, but not have that be so heavy handed. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that to be an artist means to be truthful, but I don't necessarily feel like all of my stories need to come from my struggle. If sure. that makes sense. Sure. So yeah, I think that I, I, it's, it's going to happen naturally. You know, you, you write what you know, you, you're attracted to stories that you are attracted to telling. And a lot of my stories will automatically have that. I think the Hispanic part that you mentioned is not just my culture, but it's the magical realism that is a very common terminology and storytelling practice in Hispanic and Spanish and Latin cultures. And so I think I'm very much so drawn to that just as a vehicle for storytelling. Yeah, and, and can you talk a little bit how that has manifested in your film An Invitation to Tea? Yes. So my film is essentially about a, uh, you know, 30 something girl who was mm. raised to believe in finding the positives. So we can already see how this is. I'm <laughs> so very, lost right yeah, now. yeah. Where in the world would this come from? Who, you know, experienced some hardships early on, but despite that still had a really lovely childhood. And it was because of her grandfather, who was a children's book author, who created these fantastical stories and premises for her to grow up on to help her shape her view of the world. And now that she's in her thirties and she's coming from a failed marriage and her grandfather has passed on from cancer and she's not financially where she thought she'd be. She's not successful like she thought she'd be. And she's kind of a little bit disappointed for lack of a better word about her circumstances. She almost feels lied to. She almost feels like these stories that she was raised to listen to or believe about the world are all just a bunch of crap. And she's angry about it. And so the story is about how she has to go back to her home that she was raised in, which is being foreclosed on, which is also true to my own history. And she has to go through all these things and find out what's valuable and important. And she needs to sell and she needs to take with her. And the thing that we as an audience hope that she takes with her are these children's books because she's reintroduced to them. And she is literally reintroduced to Willigad, who is the main character. And he's purposefully like supposed to be familiar. You know, he's the cat in the hat. He's the Mad Hatter. He's anything that you as a child in your own lives maybe have read or could imagine of this fantastical sort of character. And he just appears to her and he tries to get her to sit down and have tea with him in an attempt to reacquaint her with these stories to try to impart on her that there are no such things as children's stories. These stories still apply to you now. The only way that you can have the world that you hope to have is if you apply those philosophies and trying to convince her that while we all write these things off as childish, that children are allowed to imagine these great worlds and we don't fault them for it. We almost praise them for these imaginations. But as adults, 
we tend to only see the world as we've experienced it. And that imagination kind of starts to go away. And so it's sort of just this magical story about a girl reacquainting with her childhood, but not in this, I don't want to use the word trivial, but not in this way that's like, oh, you've forgotten these things that are important because we've seen that before. It is that, but it's more about saying it's up to you to still believe in the magic of the world. And it's up to you to create the magic of the world. And so please take me with you because I'm just as important to you now as I ever was to you as a child. Well, that definitely checks all the boxes you just talked about. <laughs> I know. And I think that's a wonderful thing because as you know, to that own self be true as we hear. How about we go to a clip from An Invitation to Tea? Well, again, I'm not a child anymore. I'm an adult. I'm realistic. I'm angry. Anger is natural, something we all feel. But how you choose to deal is ultimately how you heal. Yes, I've read that one. Well, then perhaps it's time for a new adventure. I don't need any more of your ideological bullshit. People make up the majority of the world, true or false. True. And therefore, the ideologies of people inhabiting the world make up the world, true or false. It's not that simple. Simple is only complicated if you fail to see that complicated is quite simple. And there we had a little cameo from Prime, who's one of the other characters. He's a little mouse. So those were his squeaks. And, of course, the tea pouring (laughs) in the background. There's also uh, a local, like, Genesis with children's books from An Inwood Connection uh, to this from uh, Sid Hoff's creation. Correct. So he created the dinosaur stories for uh, his daughter when she got sick. She got very ill. And he um, wrote these series of children's books for her to kind of give her this escape. And uh, they were called Danny and the Dinosaur. And they were very, very famous. They were, they went off and still to this day, you can buy them in bookstores. They're, they're very popular. And his daughter was quoted as saying that those books were like her survival, Mm -hmm. that he had created this beautiful world and kind of, you know, you can also equate it to like obviously like the Lewis Carroll and the Alice in Wonderlands and anything that that is about people creating worlds for the people they care about. You spend a lot of time at Books of Wonder, don't you? I bet you do. (laughs) (laughs) You would think, you know, I embarrassingly can admit that I've never read the Harry Potter books. And uh, yeah, so I don't, I uh, only read a couple of the Lord of the Rings. I don't really partake too much in uh, reading a lot of fantasy, but I am fascinated with children's books. I think that they are they are they are what help shape the minds of the people that are going to be future adults, and I think that they're very smart. Well, it must have definitely shaped your mind as a creative person because you've gone on to found or co-found, I should say, uh, Triple Click Productions. <laughs> so, I mean, an amazing journey, really, from a young person reading children's books to becoming a creator in yourself. So, tell me how how did that come about, and uh, and also a female led production company checking that box off again for for who you are which is really wonderful i have to say for everyone who doesn't know you is that you're very genuine and it's like it's it's something that i think all your all the all the best work is very personal i feel and i bet casting was really hard for invitation to to tea by the way oh Um, man i have a great story about that at least you know from my perspective uh but i originally wrote an invitation to tea to act in because my background was to be an actor 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I fell into production work. I mean, I wanted to do theater even more so than film at the time. And I was, I went to school for theater and got my, went to performing arts high school and then I got my degree in performance and totally thought I was going to be a stage actor and then moved into film and fell into production, which is now actually where I work most of the time is on the behind the camera side and hadn't acted in a long time and kind of felt had just moved to New York was like, maybe this is the opportunity to re-put on that actor hat and rediscover and, and invest in that part of my creative self. And so I wrote it for myself as an actor. And then as the script started to take shape and I really started to flesh out the story, I almost was like, wow, I I don't know if I'm the best person for this part, even though it's my story in a lot of ways and it's my perspective. I was like, I think I should direct it, which I'd never done before. I'd never given myself the permission to fully take ownership in that way of a story. I'm either producing it and kind of writing it or being someone who's on that side of the creative side of the panel, or I'm acting in it. And to be the person who was like, nope, this is my vision and I'm going to facilitate that was not a a role that I'd really had any experience in. But I was like, I don't think I'm going to 100% honestly be able to hand this over to someone else and just trust them enough, even if they're brilliant, because it's so close to me. So I was like, oh, gosh, now I have to cast someone in this role who I've clearly seen myself in. And I bet there's somebody else out there, because I think I would do it a disservice if I just was looking for like a me lookalike, you know, who would do it like I would do it. And so I really was like, no, there's got to be someone else out there that I that can bring something else to this role that I wouldn't have even thought And sure enough, Jamie Page is a phenomenal actress and I knew her from LA and she also just happened to move out to New York and she had this sort of like edgy look and was like nothing like me at all. And she was perfection. And I have never been more proud of just stepping out of my own way and kind of giving into that, that instinct because she's brilliant. Well, that's called having a production company. It's like you're you're making, you're making the big choices. You're making the important choices because you're putting, you, you know, when you're an actor you're directing your role when you're a director you're directing the play Mm -hmm. when you're a producer manager you're directing the experience and i think that's really Mm -hmm. that's that's take that for what you will it's my perspective and uh and i feel that you've shown uh great wisdom and being able to step back and as someone who has a company to be able to institute that for the good of the show because once you make the show it's no longer yours right it's everyone else's yeah so and so i think you did yourself in turn a great service by being able to realize that and perhaps maybe you'll do the uh, the stage revival version of adaptation <laughs> yeah, machine. Maybe. Uh, we'll see. I don't know. Maybe we'll do, I would like it to originally I was like, you know what? It's just going to be a, a short film. And it just, I was so proud of how I was able to take 15 minutes and really get as much as I needed to get out of this story in that. Cause I think that in and of itself is quite difficult. And now that it's almost done and, I've been kind of like starting the process of getting it out into the world. Um, I think it could be a feature. I really think it could. Well, so maybe there'll be a cameo part. Maybe I'll just write a little small part. In the Let's be the neighbor. <laughs> there you go. There you go. If Hitchcock can do it, why not exactly, you? Right. Exactly. Uh, well, we're looking forward to seeing it at uh, the, I'll say the forthcoming Inwood Film Festival <laughs> yeah. when all this madness ends, and it will end sometime this year. Uh, what other products do you have waiting for you right now? Uh, so I'm I am working on a couple of um, I mean because writing writing is the thing right now. You know, it's the thing that I know that I can do with my time. And uh, ironically, uh, with Triple Click, we were all talking about maybe doing a um, 
a film right now because we are all quarantined. <laughs> and I think it's going to be a very common thing. I think you're going to see a lot of projects coming out right now that are either based in this circumstance or based in this world. But true to my magical realism, I really would like to do something that is shot on the type of budget you would expect from a bunch of people that are quarantined in an apartment. Um, <laughs> but that takes the circumstances of the world and doesn't make it about these circumstances right. and in, instead propels it to use it as a metaphor for bigger things like mental health and things like that. So I think we're kind of working on this fun project where it takes place in very similar circumstances without making it a direct parallel mm -hmm. and instead uses that as a metaphor for what depression looks like. And if people treated people with mental illness and things like that with the same sincerity or not even sincerity, but the same, same urgency as they're treating a, a flu, you know, or a pandemic of this proportions and what that looks like. And, and how people are like, Oh, but I'm healthy. I'm so healthy. I don't have any, you know, I can't get it. And then what happens when you do and you're that healthy 20 year old who, you know, unfortunately in Orange County passed away and had no previous anything. And it, no one thought that he would get it or that he would be affected in that way. Um, I think a lot of people treat depression that way. I think a lot of people look at certain mental illnesses that way and say, oh, I, I'm, you know, I'm a happy person. I'm an optimistic person. I had no childhood trauma. Uh, I don't need therapy. I'm fine. And so I like that kind of dual perspective and, and mm -hmm. how it's relatable because we all know what this is. Right. But even if you're someone who doesn't know what depression is, if you put it through the lens of what this is, you, you just might realize that you're closer to it than you thought. I definitely think the world will be looking at healthcare in a lot different lens than it has previously. I mean, let's hope, right? I hope so. Well, thank you again. Uh, there's quite a bit of your work that we didn't, didn't get a chance to discuss, uh, <laughs> but is there a place that listeners can go to to find out more about you and your work? Sure. So I have a website. It is www.desireabeta.com. And then uh, if you want to check out Triple Click, we are a female-driven production company. We do focus mostly on narrative storytelling, uh, short-form storytelling, but we also do branded content. A lot of my background as a producer and a production coordinator is in branded content. So that's where I mostly work. So, But short-form narrative, think-outside-of-the-box type storytelling is what we're really striving to do through a female lens. And you can see that at tripleclickproductions.com. You can also follow me on Instagram. And my Instagram name is a little weird. It is uh, Jolie, but it's spelled chat on. So C-H-A-T-O-N-J-O-L-I-E. That's my Instagram. And I, I post a lot of my creative content on Instagram. I've seen it. It's wonderful. If you can't find her, it's your fault. <laughs> um, so I want to thank Desiree again for joining us here on Artist Spotlight edition of In What Artworks On Air, where we, again, we showcase the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes that make their home here in Inwood and its surrounding community. Um, if you want to follow us, you can do, do so at Inwood Artworks uh, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, uh, and our website at InwoodArtworks.nyc on the web to keep up with all that we do, including the Inwood Film Festival, Film Saw Fresco, pop-up art galleries, live performances, and so much more. And stay tuned here for more editions of Artist Spotlight. Thanks again to the fine folks here at Indian Road Cafe for hosting us. For Inwood Artworks On Air, this is Aaron Sims.
Thanks for listening to this Artist Spotlight episode of Inwood Artworks On Air. If you have a moment, please show some love right now for this podcast and for the musicians, artists, filmmakers, and writers of Inwood by reviewing Inwood Artworks On Air on iTunes. It really helps, and we really appreciate it, so thanks so much. Be sure to also check out our Live and Local series, where we tell the stories of Inwood musicians and creators. In the meantime, stay tuned for more Artist Spotlight programs released monthly from Inwood Artworks.